الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاة والسلام على رسول الله وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين All praise and thanks belongs to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and may the peace and blessing of Allah be upon his servant and final messenger Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam As to what follows we're continuing inshallah ta'ala the surah al-kahf We're after finishing the first story we're up to the second one and this is the story called the story of the man or the person of the two gardens, the one who owned the two gardens. Before we begin with this story, just so you can understand the placement of this story, where it's going, uh, there are actually four stories in Surah Al-Kahf. And you notice something uh, really incredible, subhanAllah, in the pattern, that the first story, the story of the people of the cave, uh, in that story, we found that the, the believers were in a weak position. The believers which were the people of the cave were in a weak position and the disbelievers the king and those that were with him were in a higher and upper position so they had the authority and the upper hand in the second story now you're going to see that the disbeliever and the believer are equal with each other no one has power over another and then there is the story of musa al-khadr and then the last story is the story of dhul qarnayn and in dhul qarnayn's story you find that the believer who is dhul qarnayn and the army he has they have power and they have authority and the disbelievers are the weak ones and the yani, the ones that are in the weak position in that story so it's as though subhanAllah you see this this gradual uh, yani, increase that the first story believers are weak disbelievers are strong second story they're both equal the disbeliever and the believer and then in the last story uh, uh, the story of Dhul Qarnayn the believer now is the strongest and the weakest is the is the disbeliever in, in that part and the, uh, and, and the story of Musa al-Khadr came just before that and it was about the knowledge to teach that yani, the more knowledge one has the more dominance and authority and power he has against his enemy so that was the, the, the second last uh, story that came which will be our yani, next week we'll start with that uh, Musa al-Khadr story we're with uh, the story of Sahib al-Jannatayn the, the owner of the two garments and uh, just before we begin with this story we need to understand its placement. So what's the ayah before it? Just before Allah said, Just before Allah gave us the story of these two people, He said a very incredible ayah that would give you an understanding as to يعني, what, what, is, what is coming about, what is about to come from the story of the man of the two gardens. The ayah before that, Allah Azza wa Jalla said, إِنَّ الَّذِينَ آمَنُوا وَعَمِلُوا الصَّالِحَاتِ إِنَّا لَا نُضِيعُ أَجْرَ مَنْ أَحْسَنَ عَمَلًا in other words, Allah was speaking about those who believed and did righteous good deeds. What about them? What would Allah give them? He says, He said that people like this would end up in the paradise. Uh, and for them is gardens in the paradise underneath which rivers flow. And then not only this, it gets better for them. He said, They are given to wear bracelets of gold. They call this uh, the passive tense. In other words, someone comes and puts on the, the bracelets for you. So it's like they're sitting down and the servants are coming and putting the bracelets of gold for them. These are the people of paradise. Then not only this, and they're wearing uh, garments, green garment, thick green garment of silk, thick silk and light silk. That's sundus uh, or istabrak. This is like as luxurious as he gets. And then he says, they recline on recliners, couches that recline, they sit on them, custom made for them. 
نعم الثواب وحسنة مرتفقة what an excellent reward that Allah has set up for him and what an awesome place to remain in there and reside permanently that was the ayah before وضرب لهم مثل الرجلين يعني in other words in this ayah Allah described the paradise of the believer he described the jannah of the believer in the paradise and that it's permanent and this is it now the story comes and the story begins by describing the jannah of a disbeliever in this life and how awesome can a jannah of a disbeliever get in this life so this story is about a rich man and a poor man and allah Azza would dedicate the first two ayat he imagined two ayat of the quran are specified just to tell us about this guy's property about the rich man and what did he own and what did Allah give him of property and wealth and the description Allah will give in two ayat that's how that's as good as it gets for a disbeliever that's a jannah of a disbeliever on this earth so before it was the jannah of the believer in the hereafter and this one now is going to speak about the jannah of the disbeliever in this life and you know the hadith of the Prophet وسلم, in where he says dunya mu'min, that the, the dunya, this life, is like the prison of a believer. Kafir, it is the paradise of a disbeliever. Just exactly what does that mean? Jannatul Kafir, we're about to find out in two ayat. So Allah Azza wa now begins. He says, Strike for them the example of two men. Now this word wadrib, it, it comes from the word baraba, which means to strike, to hit something. And you know, when I suddenly strike something really loudly and powerful, what it does is it grabs the attention of the listener. So let's say we're sitting and we're just sitting, we're sitting and we're speaking, and we heard a really massive bang, a, a huge accident outside. All of a sudden, all the attention and the focus would go to where the sound came from. You'd, you'd lose where I am at, and you'd go all the way towards the sound. That's natural, it's a normal effect. So when Allah begins the ayah saying, strike for them it's as though that effect has been created it's like something has been struck and your attention and your focus has gone right to where the sound is and this is what Allah is about to say so this is a means in how Allah grabs attention and grabs focus and concentration of the listener now all of a sudden all of the listener is focused into what Allah wants to say now he says what he wants to say strike for them the example of two men in other words what is about to come is really heavy it's serious it's a conversation that happened long time ago who are these two people where did they live uh, what kind of conversation happened that will mention uh, what location what time did they exist we have no idea and really that doesn't matter because this is a conversation even though it happened many many years ago it still happens until this day it still happens until this day. But the idea is to learn the lessons out of it. And what do I mean by it still happens until this day? That's what I'll clarify. And what Allah is teaching in this lesson is really valuable and incredible. And that's what you're supposed to sort of adopt in your life after you hear this lesson uh, and, and this story and what it contains of benefits and wisdoms. So the story is going to be of a, of a poor man and a rich man. And now the first ayah begins by explaining what the rich man had. Allah said, for one of the two, this is the rich guy, we made for him jannatain, two gardens min a'nab, two gardens of grapevine. You know, Allah said jannatain, not bustanain. There's a difference between jannah and a bustan. 
a jannah is a garden in where there is actually no yeah, I mean, there's no there's no there's no bit of not an not an inch of soil you can see a jannah the entire thing is green not an inch of dirt is on it the entire thing is in use all of it all of it Allah gave him two of them two massive jannatain if you were to see them you don't see a patch of dirt in them like if you go to your backyard now maybe or your front yard or wherever it is you might see some patch of dirt somewhere there's some missing grass there's nothing being planted here that's called a bustan a jannah the entire thing is supposed to be green subhanallah that's the first thing Allah is telling us that he had two gardens of grapevine so in the entire garden there's just grapevine the whole thing is grapevine and you know that that already subhanallah is something you cannot achieve in this life because if you owned land in this life let's say you purchased a land you know you can't use a hundred percent of it for example if if masanani in the areas uh, you are to purchase a land in where you're going to build a house or something then uh, yeah, I mean, with the, with the, with uh, development there's something called easement you're gonna have to give some prop you're gonna have to give some meters back to the council like public space or something you cannot utilize and use the entire land to build on okay let's say you, you bought a five acre land somewhere in the in the in the bush where there's no regulation there even then if you wanted to use it uh, to plant your crop or whatever it is on it uh, you cannot use the entire thing because let's say you had five acres some of it might be swamp land bad soil you can't plant anything on it some of it might be uneven land and if you try to even it will cost too much so you can't but this guy here Allah Azzawajal, is suggesting the entire two gardens not a single patch of dirt yani the entire thing was utilized and you know what that means if it's all utilized then there's a plant there's a tree in each part of the land and eventually at the end of the season there's harvest and it's and, and therefore there's money so yani the entire land put to use that means it's making more money for him and we surrounded the two grapevine gardens with palm trees yani date palm in other words this is the one garden and there are there are in other words there's there's grapevine in the middle and around it or surrounding it there's grape uh, there's uh, date, date palm around it why this acted as a security system in other words when there's really strong wind you know the grapevine is very delicate that could easily blow away with the with the wind so in order to avoid that there was date palm surrounding the grapevine and that would act as a shield as a hurricane proof as a cyclone proof so that it does that the, the strong wind doesn't enter and damage his grapevine subhanallah yani, well, this is something that we know of the, the the palm tree it's really strong it withstands uh yani, category five hurricanes it withstands the only the only tree you'll see is the is the palm tree or the coconut tree that's also from among the family it just it sways left and right and then eventually as everything's over it's still standing right there so this is an excellent strong system so the setup he has is incredible he's incredible two grapevine in the middle and around each garden, there are two gardens, around each garden, they're surrounded with uh, date palm. Okay. And then Allah Azza he said, And between the two gardens, in between, Allah made for him zar'an, not mazra'an, zar'an, they call it a masdar, a verbal noun. In other words, crop, the actual crop growing. So he had all kinds of herbs, uh, fruit trees, uh, vegetables, whatever it is it's just growing in between the two gardens so 100 percent 
of his land is being utilized and 100% of it is being used, not, as, not, a, not, not even 1% is gone to waste. So in other words, he's making money. And at the same time, he's a gardener and he's a farmer. Well, he's, a, he's, a, yani he's a gardener, which is the zara'an in the middle, and he's a farmer for the two jannatain that he has. And you know what that means? In other words, you know, a farmer would make money once a season. And uh, a gardener would make money different to the times that a farmer would make money. So if he's a farmer and a gardener at the same time, then that means he's making money all year round. If he's not making money from the garden, he's making money from the farm. And if he's not making money from the farm, he's making it from the garden. He said, this guy has got it all out, set up. And it also, it's about to get interesting now. In the next ayah, Allah explains even further. He says, he said both the two gardens gave off its ukul. He did not say atat thamaraha, even though that word thamaraha would be used later on. Like wakana lahu thamarun wa uhita bi thamarihi. But here Allah says each of the two gardens gave off its ukul. Ukul comes from the word akil. Akil means something to eat. So in other words, atat ukulaha means both of the two gardens gave off edible fruit. Yeah. Each and every single fruit that came off the tree was edible. Nothing was thrown in the bin. Nothing was rotten. And nowadays, maybe if you went to uh, any store in the market or whatever, and you're buying uh, tomatoes or apples or whatever, yeah, there's, there's one you might look at, it doesn't look good. You put it back and you put something back into the, into the plastic bag. But if you went to this guy's farm and you were shopping at his farm, you wouldn't put anything back. It all would go in the plastic bag and you'd buy everything because everything was edible. A tree, it might have a hundred oranges. Thirty of them are rotten, you'd throw them, and then seventy of them you'd eat. But this guy's orange tree, the entire thing, one hundred percent was edible. Nothing would throw, nothing would go to the bin. Subhanallah. Edible fruit. Now watch this. And it did not shortchange him or wrong him in any way. And in other words, there could be a possibility that a fruit might fall from the tree. And it rolls into his neighbor. If 100% is being used of his land, so it's really close to the fence to his neighbor, there could be a possibility that my, uh, a fruit would come down and roll to his neighbor. Not only that, there could be the possibility of a, like a monkey or a possum. Uh, it loves dates. It goes up to the tree, takes one, and runs off. That could happen. But Allah said, It did not shortchange him at all. In other words, that didn't happen. Yani everything that was harvested was for him and for his benefit and profit. That's it. No one else took anything and no and, and the, the fruit didn't go in a place where it wasn't supposed to go. And then it gets better. Allah says, shay'an, anything at all. Because there's the other possibility, which is that a uh, that a, a that an animal comes, it doesn't take the entire fruit, it takes a bite from the fruit and goes. Even that didn't happen. Shay'an at all. And he does a fruit fly, just lands on a peach and sucks some of the juice and takes off. That didn't even happen. Shay'an at all, nothing. Subhanallah. And this guy has got it all from beginning to end. And now, there's one more problem. How is he going to irrigate all this farm? He's got a farm, he's got a garden, he's got to keep it watered. Allah Azza took care of that. So Allah Azza he said, And we caused a river to explode right in between it. So you have the two gardens here, and the zara'an is in the middle, and the river is going like this. It's crossing. It's crossing the first garden, underneath the first garden, in between the zara'an, and underneath the next garden. And you know, when there's a river in the middle, 
the, the two sides of the bank, this bank and this bank, they're already irrigated. So he didn't even have to lift up the hose and, and uh, water anything. That's already done. This is the jannah of the disbeliever in this life. Yani, this is something like someone's got his business, it's good, it's running, perfect, just looking at it, look at this. I don't even have to touch it. All I need to do is bring some men in here, uh, let's harvest the thing and move on. Business. Think of it whatever business you want to think of. Now Allah Azzawajal gives us the conversation that happened. The poor man, nothing was mentioned for him. And it goes without say that what he has was insignificant. There was nothing to really mention. So Allah didn't speak anything about what the poor man had. He didn't have anything. Allah Azzawajal says, The rich man, he had thamar, he had fruit. This could mean that it was a season of harvest and he had just harvested the trees now and he's put them in the boxes and they're ready to go to the market and being sold. He's got a lot of thamar in front of him. His best friend. Remember Ashab al-Kaf and what I told you in the word Ashab, that this is not any normal friend. This is a, like an intimate, really close friend. This rich man, he has a good close friend and his friend happens to be a poor man. And he loves him. He's a friend of his sahibi. Uh, he passes by, his, the poor man passes by the rich man and he sees him. Salaamu alaikum, how's everything? This guy, we've got a conversation. Yuhawiru comes from the word hara yahuru. Hara means for something to return back. So in other words, it's a conversation. I talk to you, you respond, I talk back, I ask you a question, you respond, I ask another question. This is yuhawiru. Who suggests also that the rich man initiated the conversation, he began. Well, as he's talking, as he is conversing with him, he slips in something. I'm more than you when it comes to money, and I'm more than you when it comes to manpower. From the word Aziz, authority. I have more authority. But look, look at the land I got. That means I have a lot of labor on it, uh, laborers on it, a lot of workers on it. But now, I, you need to understand, this is very crucial here. It's going to lead to a lot of yani, what we're going to say after this ayah. It's, it, yani, don't think of it like this, that the rich man comes to the poor man, he knocks his door. Alaykum. By the way, do you notice that I'm richer than you? Alaykum. He didn't say that. It didn't happen like this. It's as they're conversing. So in other words, it's like he's, he's with him. Uh, alaykum. How are you? How's everything? How's life? It's all good. How are your kids? You know, they're going to school, not yet, because they're responding. And then as he's speaking, he slips in something. He says to him, oh, by the way, MashaAllah, SubhanAllah, last month my daughter got married and we, we booked out the Star City and يعني, Allah, I had to pay $120 a head. It's all right, it cost us about $70,000. Uh, I heard, uh, now he's talking to the poor man, I heard your, your, your son got married last month. Where was the, was it, at, it was held at the masjid? All oh, right, yallah khair, inshallah, no worries, at the masjid. Uh, he just sort of slipped it in to make it a point to show that he is more wealthier than him. Yeah, he didn't say to him, I've got more money. He said to him, uh, he's trying to prove the point that he has more money. So he just speak to him, right? Masalan, he's speaking with him, and he'd say, this is a conversation that happens today among the people. So, Allah, yeah, alhamdulillah, I moved out. I was uh, living somewhere. But now I just pay $1,000 a rent a week. Yeah, it's nothing. Uh, Maybe we're thinking of moving and getting something bigger. And uh, where are you still at your mom's house? Yallah khair. Allah, yassallah, inshallah. This is like, this is, 
trying to prove a point, right? So someone would say, you know, Allah, I got my Mercedes last week. Well, alhamdulillah, it's the third one in a month. You know, it's still got this uh, engine uh, problem. I'll just, I'll get rid of it. I'll buy a new one. Uh, how's your bicycle? <laughs> the, the idea of is to prove yourself wealthier than the other through this way, like that. To show, to make it as a point. Subhanallah, this is very dangerous. The most dangerous and the, and the, the most yani, the dangerous and disgusting of disease that could ever happen is the rich man imposing his lifestyle on the poor man. This is exactly what happens. The more the rich man talks like this, you know what happens as a result? It's like they they now set the standard of what life is supposed to be. For the poor man remains poor and feels poor until he reaches the standard of the rich. So I don't care, I'll get into debt, I'll do this, I'll do that for my wedding, I'll do it, whatever it is, just so I can get to that standard that the rich man set up and he imposed his lifestyle on me. Very dangerous. Allah is teaching us the corruption from the very beginning. Subhanallah, a sahib, didn't he say, what kind of sahib is that? You know, the, the story before, look at the, look at Ashab al Kahf, how they were, different to the sahib now. Ashab al Kahf were together, uh, taking care of each other, looking out after each other. Actually, as a matter of fact, when the Quran introduced us to the idea of sahib, it told us that a sahib is always there with you, it feels for you. Like in Surah At Tawbah, Allah Azza wa Jalla says, "If يَقُولُ لِصَاحِبِهِ لَا تَحْزَنْ إِنَّ اللَّهَ مَعَنَا." When the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam or Abu Bakr radhiyallahu anhu they're in the cave, and then uh, Abu Bakr is worried. But Nabi sallallahu alaihi wasallam he looks at Abu Bakr and he says to him, "لَا تَحْزَنْ لِصَاحِبِهِ." He says to Sahibi, his best friend, "لَا تَحْزَنْ." Don't worry, it's all right, it's all good. Don't be afraid. إِنَّ اللَّهَ مَعَنَا. That's what a friend is supposed to do. Now this friend here is not doing that. He's actually. He's adding more onto his worries and more onto his stress and his problems. So this poor man is insulted right now. He just insulted him. He said to him, Okay, watch this. Allah says, The rich man finished the conversation and he entered his Jannah. Yeah, well, he's got, uh, he's got a massive Jannah. He's got his business. He walked back into his business. But Allah now describes the state that he entered in. He entered his garden while he had wronged himself. Wronged himself? I thought he just wronged his neighbor. Didn't he wrong his neighbor? He insulted his neighbor. He said to him, I got more money. When it comes to money, I got more than you. He wronged him. Why is Allah saying that the poor rich man wronged himself? Well, because at the end of the day, he wronged no one but himself. When he failed to ascribe the ni'mah to Allah, and when he boasted by saying, Ana, it's my wealth and I'm more than you, that's when he wronged himself. So as much as he wronged his friend and he hurt him, really at the end of the day, he wronged no one but himself. And Allah said, He failed. He failed to mention this is all from Allah. He failed to do that. He used the word, Ana, this is my business. This is my, it's, just, it's about to get worse in what he's going to say right now. And you know, by the way, when you read the first two ayat, you're not supposed to be thinking, oh, mashallah, this guy was really smart. He had it all set up. You weren't supposed to think like that. You were supposed to think, mashallah, Allah really blessed this guy. Because the first two ayat, when Allah spoke about this guy's property and asset, Allah used the plural we. He referred to himself. He said, ja'alna, 
we made for one of the two, right? And we surrounded the two gardens with date palms. And we caused the river to explode. Allah took credit in the first two ayat for himself. I did all this for him. And now he's saying this is all mine. Ana akbar. For this is where he wronged himself. This is where he stuffed up and where he got wrong. Now look what he says. As he walks in, he says, I don't think this will ever end. Meaning for something to, to end. He looks at it and he says, I don't think this is ever going to finish. Or this garden is ever going to come to an end. Look at it. Look at it. Look at the way it runs, the way I've maintained it, the workers I got, the uh, the employees, the the taxes I got, the accounts, everything is running, all good. Nothing's gonna happen to it. This is first of all, think of it as a, as a as a garden. Think of it as a as another business. Yeah, whatever it is, that attitude of walking in and seeing that I've got everything in place and this can never ever end, not in my time. So that's why I've got to train and I've got to teach someone so that they can take over the business because. My business is going to go nowhere. It's going to always remain. It's going to stay alive. It's very dangerous. Speaking like that, what guarantees that it's going to remain? He's getting worse in his attitude and how he's speaking. Now look what he says. And you know, this thing, this sa'a and this afterlife you keep talking about, I don't even think it's going to happen. Well, why is he thinking like that? By the way, this is speaking to himself. There's no one with him. Why is he saying that? You know, subhanAllah, well, the, the, the wealthier someone is, the more dunya he has. If he's not careful and he's awake, and if more of this dunya enters his heart, the less he wants to talk about the hereafter and then. It's a natural effect. By those who love money and love the increase, you can have an increase in your pocket, doesn't matter. But if that money eventually entered in the heart, even if it was a dollar or whatever it is, what happens with wealthy people normally, if they're not conscious and awake, they begin to dislike the mention of death and the hereafter. You know why? Because that topic, it threatens their enjoyment with the goodness they have. Then I come and say, listen, let me remind you of the akhirah, my brother. No, 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 don't worry. Talk about it later. I don't want to talk about it now. Let me just enjoy my time with what I have and I'll just your topic we'll speak about it later because go on friday enough one once a week we'll hear about it right well, this is an attitude he's speaking to himself in his conscience i mean he doesn't want to think about a sa'a. he's got so much to enjoy why is he going to think about a sa'a? thinking about the hour and death is going to threaten his enjoyment with what he has and then look what he says shaitan comes and gives him another whisper he says to him he says, uh, well, wait, wait, if this hour is yeah, something certain, and if I was eventually returned to my Lord, hey, then Allah is going to give me much better than what I have. Yeah, he, you know what he did? He assumed that what he has in this dunya was Allah's love for him. So he says, if Allah loves me this much and he's given me all this, like my neighbor Haram has got nothing, Allah has given me all this, then that means when I return, if there's a possibility of going back to Allah, He's going to give me much better. If He loves me this much and He gave me that much in dunya, Allah what He's going to surprise me with in the hereafter. Look at the arrogance in, in the word ruditu. Yeah, uh, usually, you return to Allah. 
Urudittu, meaning if I was forced to return to Allah. Yani in other words, uh, if they pull me out of my grave, get up, then they're going to come back. If, if I'm forced back to Allah, uh, khalas, and we're going to return, yani eventually, then no doubt Allah is going to give me better than what He's given me in this life. With the arrogance. Subhanallah, ila rabbi minha munqalaba. That's what He spoke. Now Allah says, قَالَ لَهُ صَاحِبُهُ وَهُوَ يُحَاوِرُهُ أَكْفَرْتَ بِالَّذِي خَلَقَكَ مِنْ تُرَابٍ Now, another conversation. Of course, the sahibi is his best friend, so he meets up with him more than once a day maybe. So he sees him this time, and he speaks to him again. Now the poor man is going to give advice and nasiha to the rich man. But I want you to, to think of this. When the rich man first spoke to the poor man, he insulted him, right? The first time, when he said, He insulted him. Did the poor man speak anything back? He didn't say anything. But now, when Allah is being spoke of in the wrong manner, the poor man is going to get up and speak. Yani in other words, what the poor man is teaching us, humility, subhanAllah, that if someone insults him, yeah, don't worry, insult me as much as you want. Will talk about me as much as you want. Will slander me and put me down in front of everyone as much as you want. I'm not going to talk. I'll give it peace of Allah. It doesn't matter. But if you're going to talk something bad or against Allah, well, I'm going to get up and talk to you now. Now I'm going to give you a nasiha. Subhanallah, we learn a lot from the from the character of this poor man. That uh, yani when he insult, when he was insulted, he didn't. He swallowed it. Doesn't matter. Insult me from now until whenever you want, because you're only wronging yourself. <laughs> He really did it wrong me at the end of the day. But if you're going to speak and have some deviant ideas about Allah and that the hour is not going to happen and that this garden will never end and if you are forcefully returned, how, how dare you speak like, like this to Allah Azza wa Now I'm going to stand up and give you nasiha right now. So he gets somebody says, Did you just believe? Kafarta also means ungrateful. Have you become ungrateful? To the one who created you from from turab, from dust, from dirt, then from a, a fluid, a drop of fluid that, yani, if it's on your clothes, you're embarrassed to walk out with it, except that you wash it. Then on top of that, then he made you into a man. You couldn't even make yourself into a man. Yani, subhanallah, this man is very intelligent. Why does he say to him, did you just believe? Did you just believe in the one who created you from dirt? He didn't say to him, Akafarta billah. Did you disbelieve in Allah? He didn't say that. He went all the way back to the origin. Did you, it's like, yani, did you disbelieve in the one who created you from this dirt? Now, what's he trying to say to him? He tried to say to him, Did you forget who you were when, when you were this dirt? With this, this property and garden of yours. Where was it when you were this? When you were this, where was it? When you were anutfa, when you were that, that filthy fluid, where was all this property? Where was it? And then Allah made you into a man, you couldn't even make yourself into an Allah. You couldn't even go through the stages of life unless Allah did that for you. But now all of a sudden now, What's this? What kind of attitude is that? And the other thing he's trying to say to him is that, you see this dirt? And me and you are from the same. Did you think that your dirt was more expensive than mine? Or that that sperm cell you were created from was somehow more valuable than mine? Now we're same from the same origin. Subhanallah, he's teaching an incredible lesson in the words, Now he says, 
However, Allah is my Lord. And I don't associate any partners with Allah. But this is incredible. Firstly, he says, This word, essentially, it's Essentially, that's how it is. But it's been merged together, fused, and we came out with You know what that is? Lakin ana is a word that is longer. Lakinna is short. But in other words, yani, subhanallah, he, from his humility, when he's about to say Allah is his Lord, he reduced himself. Even the language is reduced. So the word is shortened, it's cut one letter. In other words, yani, it's implying himself reducing, humbling, belittling himself when he's about to mention Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Different to his friend. His friend said, Ana akfaru min kamala. Yeah, he didn't even dare to say the word Allah. He said, La kinnahu Allahu. He merged it. Subhanallah. Hu Allahu Rabbi wa la ushriku bi Rabbi Ahad. He said, Allah is my Lord. And I don't do shirk. Why is he saying I don't do shirk? Who asked him anyway? Wasn't he giving nasiha to his friend? Why didn't he say to his friend, don't do shirk? He's telling himself, I don't do shirk. This is called a nasiha to nafsi awala. This here is called like giving advice to myself before I give it to my friend. Yeah, the one who's in need of this advice is his friend. But he's saying about himself. What we're learning is when you give advice, you need to understand that the advice you're about to give to someone that is done wrong, you have to advise yourself and you're in need of that advice more or maybe an equal uh, amount of the person that you're giving advice to. This guy, this poor man, has never done shirk in his life. And he's saying, I, I, I better not do shirk. He's giving himself advice before he gives it to his friend who's already fallen in shirk. Subhanallah. Well, well, there are some people like that. Yeah, and you need to understand from this that if you've never fallen into a sin, let's, and I'll give you an example. Uh, someone, you know, commits zina wa ayyadu billah. Someone, you know, may Allah protect us. So then you see that I need to give this guy nasiha. And so you go, as you want to go and give him nasiha, you keep in your mind that you are in need of this nasiha in the exact amount as this guy needs it. Who made you safe from zina? Who said that you'll never fall into it? Who gave you that uh, immune certificate from it and you'll never fall into it? So when you give someone nasiha and you've never fallen into that sin, don't ever think that you'll ever not fall into it. So now, yani the nasiha that you're about to give someone is as important as it is to him, to you as well. So he says, Allah is my Lord and I don't do shirk with Allah. Okay. Now he is, in other words, what he's trying to say is giving nasiha to his friend. You just did shirk and you shouldn't have done shirk. What kind of shirk did this friend do? Yani akafarta, that's one thing, kufr. Shirk is another thing. You gotta solve that. What shirk did this rich man do? Yani, when the, when the rich man he spoke, he actually, he said, If I was returned to my Lord, he wasn't a mushrik. He believed in one Lord. He wasn't a mushrik. He didn't say, if I was to return to my Lord's, to my Lord. So where's his shirk? His shirk is, believe it or not, subhanAllah, this is a form in where a lot of people fall into. His shirk is shirk Shirk in reliance upon Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Where did that happen? When he said that I have more money and I have more manpower 
and this God will never end, that is shirk on tawakkul. He relied on his money and he relied on his garden to live forever. He didn't rely on Allah solely. And this, a lot of people fall into a shirk for tawakkul. Shirk for tawakkul is a shirk that's a minor. Yeah, it doesn't make someone a kafir. Yeah, for example, when you're going to sleep, if you think that your sleep is going to give you the rest, shirk on tawakkul. If you think that the food you're going to eat is going to satisfy your hunger, shirk for tawakkul. That actually didn't happen that way. It is Allah who gave permission for your sleep to give you rest. The sleep was just a means. But at the end of the day, it was Allah's permission for that sleep to give you rest. That's why he said, We made your sleep a rest, not the sleep itself. Otherwise, look at this. A fire is supposed to burn. It doesn't. It only burns by the permission of Allah. This is why Ibrahim wasn't burnt when he was thrown in the fire. A knife is supposed to slaughter. That's what you think. But it only slaughters by the permission of Allah. This is why when Ibrahim ran it across Ismail salam's neck, it had no effect because Allah didn't give it permission to slaughter. But when you sleep, it is Allah who made the sleep give you rest. This is why one hour could be enough. And sometimes people would sleep for 10 hours and still he got no rest. This is why a few morsels of food could be enough to satisfy your hunger. And then eating an entire plate and two and three and still the guy gets up and he's still hungry. Then Allah didn't give permission for that food to satisfy that person's hunger. But it was all happening by the permission of Allah. Shirk on fitawakkul, avoid it and understand that every single thing you do in this life is under the permission of Allah. That the money that is coming into your pocket, it's not because of your qualification or because of your experience or my connections or my contacts. or It's not because of all that. It's because Allah willed it and chose it for you and didn't choose it for someone else. That's it. That's, that's as simple as it is. So now he teaches him that lesson. He says, Wala rabbi I'm not like you. I, I, I probably I got a farm, I got something, but I don't rely on it. Doesn't matter. And at the end of the day, I'm relying on Allah. I didn't guarantee my akhirah like you. How crazy were you, man? I didn't, I didn't do that. Rabbi now he says to him something. He says, Now he's giving him real serious advice concerning this rich man. He says to him, Why wasn't it the case that every time you entered your garden, why didn't you just say, MashaAllah, la quwwata illa billah? Why was it simple? It's simple. How come? How come every time you didn't enter the garden? Why couldn't you just say, MashaAllah, whatever Allah wills, la quwwata illa billah, there is no power except with Allah? Is that how? Could he have said that? Yeah, you know what he's, yeah, MashaAllah, he doesn't, yeah, he don't understand that in the sense of, uh, you look at something nice, MashaAllah, tabarakallah, not that meaning. MashaAllah, he means whatever Allah wills. Yani, in other words, instead of saying, what did the rich man say? What was his poison? What did he say? What were the words he said? What was the rich man? What was the, the words that he spoke that were wrong? That's the wrong thing he said. Now the poor man is telling him, you should have replaced those two phrases with MashaAllah, in other words, don't say ana akbaru min kamalan. Replace that with mashallah. Mashallah means whatever Allah wills. So in other words, every time you entered your garden, you should have said, Allah willed for me to be rich and Allah willed for my neighbor to be poor. Walhamdulillah. That's mashallah. You should have thought of it like that, that it's Allah who made you rich and Allah who made him poor. And instead of saying, I got more manpower, 
Like you should have said, La quwwata illa billah. There's no power except with Allah. Not with your workers and who you have on the farm. It's only with Allah. But you gave him a replacement. Don't say, Ana akthuru minka malam wa'azu nafara. Replace it with, Ma sha'Allahu la quwwata illa billah. Then he said, Ittarani ana aqalla minka malam wa'walad. Ana, if you look at my situation, I'm not denying it. I have less when it comes to money. Ana aqallu minka malam. Oh, I got way less money. I got nothing. And then he said to him, Wawalada. Yani, in other words, oh, now I'm so poor on the farm, I got my kids working. Allah get up in the morning, oh, you know, I got my kids working. Yani, in other words, when you have your kids working, what does that mean? It means you're really, you're really doing it tough. You couldn't even afford someone to come and work on your farm. You got your own kids working on the farm with you, really, really poor. And he acknowledges it. And why am I going to shy away from it? This is what Allah willed for me, to be poor. And he mentions it. He says, He's proud of what Allah has given him. Even though I'm poor and I got way less than you and I got my kids working and I'm really struggling and tough and doing it whatever hard. Doesn't matter. I'm, I'm happy with that. That's the situation. That's what Allah has chosen for me. No worries. I'll make goodness out of it and be this situation enters me the paradise. He always sees a good side to it. Now watch this. It's about to end. So the poor man, he says to the rich man, he continues his talk with him, he says, He says, look, perhaps Allah gives me better than your gardens. Could happen at the end of the day, power is with Allah. Could happen any day. Allah could give me better than your garden in an instant second. Wait. Or Allah also could send down a husban from the sky. Husban is a timely destruction. In other words, Allah could send down a destruction from the sky in your garden. That's also possible. Why not? If Allah could do whatever he wants. He's just, he's not making dua against him. Be careful. The poor man is just telling him what Allah can do. And Allah is hearing all this. And he says to him, And if this destruction came down from the sky as a result, the next day, your farm could become sahidan, barren, dead, zadaqa, slippery. Yani it could become a swamp land, muddy. You can't even put anything on it. It could happen. And then he says to him, oh, oh, or oh, by the way, you see that river that you keep talking to me about? That river, Allah Azza could uh, cause it to sink. Oh, oh, it could just all of a sudden sink in the earth. And after that, you'll never ever be able to retrieve it and bring it back up. Could happen. Now watch this. He did not make dua. He said a few words with an injured heart. He's being insulted and being hurt. Uh, and now Allah has heard this guy's cry. And things are just about to get serious for this rich man. Allah said, The rich man and the garden he had. Why not? The garden was surrounded. It was surrounded. Surrounded by punishment. Yeah. Like a hurricane. Something that goes around. It surrounded his entire garden. That which he put as hurricane proof, which were the dates, when Allah's punishment comes, nothing is going to stop it. Asbaha meaning from the word Asbaha. The next morning he woke up. As usual, he loves to walk in his garden and admire what he has. He woke up. He gets up and he begins to rub his hands together. Yani when someone does this, he's nervous, he's worried, he's anxious, he's depressed, he's sad, he's about to faint. 
وأصبح يقلب كفيه على ما أنفق فيها over the money and the effort and the time and the struggles and the pain. He's put into this garden. All of a sudden it's gone. It's finished. Can't see anything. وهي خاوية على عروشها and the garden has been twisted and turned over its sticks. يعني عروشها comes from the word عرش and عرش means the roof. يعني the top of the palm tree became the lowest thing. The entire thing has just collapsed. Everything is gone. Subhanallah. فأصبح يقلب كفيه على ما أنفق فيها وهي خاوية على عروشها ويقول يا ليتني لم أشرك بربي أحدا ويقول present tense in other words he kept crying and repeating over and over again يا ليتني لم أشرك بربي أحدا يا ليتني لم أشرك بربي أحدا سبحان الله see now he acknowledges his shirk العلماء رحمهم الله they divided into two opinions some of them said that his tawbah was accepted some said it wasn't because it wasn't sincere only when Allah destroyed it now he got up from his uh, shirk. But يعني, أعلم, the story has a good ending. Probably can, we can take that side. That يعني, losing everything in this dunya to gain Allah is worth it. At the end of the day, it's worth it as long as you're still alive. Really, he didn't lose anything. If he gained Allah at the end of the day, he didn't lose anything. But subhanAllah, well, what do we learn from this? You know, يا ليتني لم أشرك بربي أحدا. Well, as a Muslim ummah, as a community, as a Muslim ummah, population all around the world, Muslim Ummah owed so much. We had so much, right? Yani countries were under our authority. Spain, Muslim, was an Islamic country. We, the old man, he knows it all. Subhanallah. How much did the Ummah of the yani, Ummah of the Prophet have? We had so much. Just yani, so since the Prophet death up until just recently, yani, Islam was running perfect and fine, and we had so much. And you know what happened? In, in the last few يعني, decades and centuries, we just started losing everything. Everything started going. يعني, in other words, it's perhaps it's a time for people and the Muslim Ummah to wake up and say, Because when the blessings are taken, and when what you have is being taken away bit by bit from you, that's because of the shirk that people do. Well, what's the biggest problem? This is, this is how you understand how important the topic of Tawheed is, and how important it is to teach of the dangers of shirk. Even the minor shirk would do that. All you need is a, is a few Muslims that would commit this minor shirk. That's all you need to wreck it for everyone. All you need is a few people. That's it. And then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's punishment would come down until the people wake up and come out from the state they're in. يعني, subhanallah. You know, is a very relevant. This is not only for the individual. يعني, you look at your case. If you had so much and you lost so much, look at what happened in your life. What did you rely on? That Allah took it away from you. And if Allah did that for you, that, that's a sign of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's love. That you replaced Allah with everything you own. So Allah took it all away from you so that you go back to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, right? The more attachment you have to something and Allah takes it away, there's goodness in that. Yani it preoccupied your heart. You were sinking and drowning in it. And Allah saved you, took it away from your life so that your heart could be refueled with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So don't lose that lesson. When something is taken away, some people, they just increase in kufr and they increase in rebellion against Allah and increase in their disbelief against Allah. Right, it should have the opposite effect. Now that your heart is free of everything you had, you should once again go back and turn to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And so, Ya laytani lam ushrik bi rabbi ahada is a lesson you're supposed to implement uh, daily in your life. No shirk whatsoever, from the minor or the major. Ya laytani lam ushrik bi rabbi ahada. Allah Azza wa Jalla says, وَلَمْ تَكُنْ لَهُ فِيَةٌ يَنْصُرُونَهُ مِنْ دُونِ اللَّهِ He had no men. 
to help him besides Allah. When you don't have Allah on your side, forget the whole world. Nothing is going to do anything for you. But as the garden is collapsing, there's no one that could really do anything for him. And Allah was never going to give him help right there. That was never going to happen. Because of the state that he is in, then Allah concludes and says, Meaning the help of Allah is for those who are on the truth. That's who the help of Allah is for. You see that you see the poor man, he didn't make a dua. But he's he was oppressed. The rich man oppressed him, he insulted him. He said a few words, and Allah's help came straight for him. It's like he was satisfied. He woke up, oh, see, I told you. I told you don't do shit. I told you don't say that. You should have said, MashaAllah la quota illa help yourself. Meaning Allah's aid and help and support is for those who are on the truth. That's how Allah supported him. That's how Allah supported that poor man. That's how he aided him and helped him. Uh, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is, is, is the best when it comes to giving reward. Yani, now you're thinking about that Jannah that Allah mentioned before the story of the person of the two gardens. For the believer, Allah Allah is the best when it comes to giving. And in other words, the best Allah would ever give the believer is in the hereafter, not here. And the outcome with Allah is always good. In other words, as long as you're attached with Allah, the outcome is always going to be the best. It's always going to be good. Nothing is going to be really bad. So when you're attached to Allah, whether your business remains, whether it dies out the next day, whether you have your family today, whether you lose them tomorrow, whether you have money today, whether you lose it all tomorrow, if you're with Allah, the outcome is always good.